when I saw his mouth moving. And so I synced up my voice with his perfectly. But there was a lag between, I said my last name or our last name before he even said his first name. This is, this is what we have seen throughout the economic data. Economists making prediction based on a known lag time that is not the correct lag time. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else close the wall up with our English. Wall up. Dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, uh, this is the personal wealth coach. This is Jake McClure, and on the line with me, I have Jeff McClure. Yeah, we we are uh, suffering with a delay, so we're going to pretend like we are ultra high class news anchors and. Uh, you won't be able to see this on the radio, but we will hold one hand to our ear and look very serious as we wait for the lag to go through as if it's an important thing. But um, the reality is that we are calling not across the globe. Technically, we are, uh, but really, really rather uh, just several miles apart from each other. Um, but in order to do that, we're calling out from one computer to a virtual machine and then from that machine through a telephone call, yes, from the internet. So linking to a virtual machine, then doing a telephone call from the virtual machine to a cell phone, which is then going through another machine into the studio. Supply chain issues, I think. Um, this is the personal wealth coach and we have some um, quick, not so quick, Disclosures to do. First off, the Personal Wealth Coach is the name of this program. It is also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. That's not a coincidence. The two guys talking to you today, both of us bald, both of us bearded, uh, genetically modified uh, on purpose by ourselves somehow. Uh, the older one is my dad, and he genetically modified himself and made me. So... I am a genetically modified specimen. The two of us have been doing this radio program for 26 years together uh, in a non-paid way. We are not paying for this program. The program's not paying us. However, we buy advertisement on the, pro on the studio for this program. Just because the firm is registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC particularly likes or dislikes us. There is no anointing or uh, chosen golden children, much more redheaded stepchildren, if that's even politically correct to say. But that's what the regulators are supposed to do. They're supposed to treat everybody with the same amount of skepticism, as hard as that is. Uh, let's see what else I said. That, oh, this is uh, not investment advice. I just told you about the SEC and the firm being registered to give investment advice. And now we're on the air and we've been doing this so long and we can't give you investment advice. What? Because investment advice means we have to know who you are. And while that's possible, that it's really easy if nobody's listening for us to know everybody that's listening. But there's still privacy issues because somebody could tune in right at the wrong time and hear private stuff. So really, what are we doing? Education. Hopefully, we are further confusing and befuddling so that you can get unconfused and unbefuddled. Uh, I know. It takes one to get to the other. That's how we learn. Uh, and we have another disclosure from Elder Baldy. Jeffrey, what do you got for us? The information we present on this 
educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. Fantastic. But you consider that this is probably going to space and back again at least twice um, between our houses. Yes, this telephone conversation. So, so I'm gonna. Go, this is part of the cool disclosure, but I mean the the changes in the way we communicate that were accelerated during the pandemic is worth talking about. We're gonna do that later. The market is is coming up, but I I will say that we're using. Let's see. He's calling me on my cell phone using a voice over IP telephone from a virtual computer, which he is logging into for its window poten- Windows potential with his Mac. Uh, his microphone is on the Mac and feeding into the virtual machine, which is then going to my cell phone, which is then feeding into my machine, which then I am using to call voice over IP to the studio, which is then piping it out on the airwaves. So the number of airwaves that we're we're taking up the entire radio spectrum right now. We are efficiently jamming communications for huge numbers of people because we are taking up so much of the radio waves. I think that's a bit excessive. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying we might hear from the FCC at some point about our uh, use of what, what frequency are we broadcasting on? Which, which time? (laughs) Yes. Lots of wait. Not to mention the fact that uh, my connection from here and your connection from there is probably going over Wi-Fi. Yes, in both places. Before it hits the... So we've yeah. got Wi-Fi, so, virtual like machines, cellular networks, uh, wired networks, satellites. We're utilizing it all for the benefit of our listening audience. And, and now on to what happened this week in the market. All right. Um, well, it was a market week that was a lot like some of the others we've had recently. On Monday and Tuesday, the market rose, and then it started sliding downward slowly as the week went on. Now, why did it slide down slowly as the week went on? Well, actually, the reason was the shock and awe of the fact that the United States economy, the gross domestic product of the United States, and we'll talk about this, in the third quarter, annualized. Now, First off, let's talk about gross domestic product just a moment before I say that. Inflation is subtracted from GDP. So is the balance of trade. So it, it's probably lower than it really is. But yeah, it came in at... Inflation and um, in, we've got, what, 3.7% is what the PCE said for this trailing 12-month yeah. period. Some quarter of that yeah. is this quarter, which is then for the GDP annualized. But if you just use the annual version, which is bad math, but all of this is bad math. So it's the GDP is bad math. But if you put that together, 4.9 plus 3.7, this isn't the way the formula works, guys, just just as a side note. This is a very, very napkin formula of this. But you can see suddenly it looks like we're growing at uh, almost 9%. Uh, actually over nine. If you add everything together, we're growing around 10%. Uh, you've got dogs, by the way. Just thought I'd let you know that. Yeah, I know. I have dogs. I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about that. Well, there is, but I'm glad you're not doing that thing. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to say is the reason the market started down is because the official annualized third quarter GDP first estimate 
from the our beloved Bureau of Economic Analysis came out, and in, some people knew it in advance, 4.9% growth. Wow. And so the market slowly slid downward. It ended the week, at, the S&P 500 ended the week at 41.17.37, down 2.53%. And it's the lowest point, and get ready for this, the market is at its lowest it's been in six months. Right. Six months. Six months. So, yes. Okay. And um, so it's all, but, but let's, let's back up and look at it again. It's now down over 10% from its high in July. So it's technically in a correction, uh, but it's a technical correction. It is still up 7.34% this year. It's up about 15% than it, from where it was last year at this time. And it's nearly 30% higher than it was three years ago. That's an 8.9% average annual rate of return, not counting dividends for the last three years. Now, if this is a bad down market and we've only had, not counting dividends, 8.9%, actually it's closer, it's a little over 10% if you count dividends on the S&P 500, 10% annual rate of return for the last three years and this is a down market. There's something wrong with that picture. Um, so, it, But it is 14% lower than it was at the beginning of 2022. Now, we also followed the CRSP mid-cap value index, U.S. mid-cap value index. It declined 1.54% over the last week to 2144.15. It's down over 8% this year and 17% since last year began, but remains still higher than it was last October. Okay, the real excitement and the place where the people talked about the credit for the market turning down was the fact that the 10-year U.S. Treasury note popped up over 5% a couple of days this week. It closed out the week at 4.84%, and now it's going to take the weekend off and rest from all that work. Um, That's higher than we've gotten used to, but it's nearly 3% lower than where it ended last week. So the 10-year rate actually came down a little bit, um, which is interesting. Still, the shortest-term treasuries, those maturing in less than one year, remained around 5.6%, which means that treasury money market funds are doing very, very well, and there's a lot of money going into them, which is good because the treasury needs to borrow a lot of money. And believe it or not, when you put money into a treasury money market fund, you're loaning money to the United States Treasury. So you're keeping the government running, and you should pat yourself on the back. It's kind of like buying savings bonds or or war bonds or something. You should say, I'm getting over 5% in my treasury money market fund, and I'm a good boy. Uh, That's really good. The 20 and 30-year treasury bond yields are continuing to do what they have done, and probably, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, will continue to do, which is they will continue to rise. They, uh, The 20 and 30-year treasuries edged towards and passed 5% this week, and that's becoming kind of a new normal in the bond market is 5%. Yeah. When we're talking about rise, we're talking about the interest rate on the bonds that's rising. You said the bond market has risen. Yeah. And, and if you've been in bonds, that's not your experience. Well, your money is down probably if you're in bonds. But uh, if you are watching the interest rates, they have risen. This is um, going back. This is going to a question we're going to get from Inquisitor John. But uh, the reason interest rates are rising on the longer term bonds is because the bond values are falling so that a given bond is paying a fixed number of dollars every year. And it's a percentage of the value of the bond. As the bond value follows, falls, that fixed number of dollar rises as a percentage. And that's why we see rising longer term interest rates, uh, which is still happening. Why are the bonds falling? Well, the bonds are falling because there are more people selling than buying. And that that. We can, we'll go into that in some detail, but that's what's going on in the long bond market. Um, 
despite the best efforts of the Saudis and the Russians and a war in the Middle East, the price of a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude oil slipped down 4.41% to $85.09, which means the price of gas and diesel, gasoline and diesel should probably be falling soon. And that's the markets. Awesome. When I saw his mouth moving, and so I synced up my voice with his perfectly. But there was a lag between, I said my last name or our last name before he even said his first name. This is, this is what we have seen throughout the economic data. Economists making prediction based on a known lag time that is not the correct lag time. I know I keep coming back to this because it's something I'm experiencing at this moment. But when we look at what, I mean, here, this is a great example. We had a bear market. And when was our bear market? Well, it was last year, 2022. We Most of the year was a bear market. We, we had um, from the 3rd of January uh, through the 12th of October, uh, the, the deepest dip in the market was 25.43%. We had 282 days in a bear market. What does that have to do with anything? Well, I get this a lot. What is a bear market first? Bear market is anytime the market drops 20% from, a, from the highest point recently. So right now we're sort of, just before I go any farther, that definition is not agreed on by everyone. The definition of a correction and a bear market is not set in stone by any regulatory institution or any of that. It's loosely a 20% drop, but you can apply that in different ways based on perspective. So it does that mean from the most recent high? Does it mean from the highest high? Does that mean, and so on. So we're technically down right now in the S&P 500, a little over 10% from our high high, but we're still up for the year. Well, our high high was a year ago. Um, so are we in a correction? Are we still in a bull market with a dip because we're not measuring against the high mark, high water mark recently? It's a further back. This is definitions. It doesn't matter when it comes down to it. What I've gotten a lot of people asking me is, hey, you, we've talked about the market being a predictor in the past. And I have to push a red button and I say, nope, it's not a predictor. It's an indicator. Different things. A lot of people confuse the two. It's like the weather person, a meteorologist is not a predictor. They look at indicators and say, the indicators are saying this. How often do the indicators get it wrong? It's a good question. Do we always get a massive storm when the barometric pressure drops? No, but most of the time. We don't get that same level in bear markets. So here is... Um, the, uh, an easy way to say that there have been seven, there have been 27 bear markets since 1928. There have been 15 recessions during that time. Every one of those recessions had a bear market in front of it, but there were 12 times that the bear market occurred without a recession. So it's not a predictor; it's an indicator. We had a bear market. It was part of the leading indicators that said, hey, things are weird and we might be having a recession. We were looking at the interest rate spreads and saying, whoa, this could lead to a recession. But we also have a massive stack of money. So this is a report that's just come out. Real net worths. This is after inflation. So remember that. A lot of people say, hey, I'm doing better, but with inflation, I don't feel like I'm doing better. Real net worths of the United States citizens rose 37% from the beginning of the pandemic. 
just some of that's going to be real estate. Some of that's going to be your car. A lot of it is your 401k and your market-based investments. And some of that is a big chunk of cash in your accounts that you didn't have before because we went to a higher savings rate and the places that we got cash changed. So that, that's important. We see all these leading indicators that say, watch out, watch out. None of them are watching the net worth growth of the U.S. citizens. When you have a 37% increase in net worth, you tend to spend more. This is something we see every day in our office. People go, I got a big raise and I don't have any money in the bank. What do I need to do here? And we say, oh, well, you should just up the amount that you're putting towards saving at the same rate that you or a little higher than your raises come in. But that's not something you do automatically. It just feels like you're doing the same thing and everything's more expensive. But then you look around and you're buying more things than you used to as well. That's not 100%. This is something I have to point out again and again. We're talking about averages here. Individually, households, that's not always true. A household could be on a fixed income. A household could have, have main employer or a main, main income generator in disability or out of work. There's a lot of things that can happen that throw that off. We are not all average. Uh, Elder Baldy has a saying that I have loved, I guess, since my childhood uh, about averages. If you have one foot in dry ice and one foot in boiling water, your average, average temperature is pretty good. <laughs> that doesn't make you happy. So when we talk about aggregates and we talk about averages, it is not a label for each person. It's looking at the economy as a whole. And the economy as a whole is doing fantastically well. Those things that normally would have caused recessions were offset by that gain in net worth, by increased spending. And Elder Baldy, you, I want to hand this off to you. What is the number one component of the U.S. economy? And I think you can do the wrap up for this hour. It's consumer spending. In other words, us. We are the number one component of the American economy, and that's really good. Why is it really good? It's good because if we were an export-based economy, which is what some people have wanted us to be, we would be like Germany, who is in the pits right now, or like China, who is sliding into the pits, totally dependent upon the well-being of whoever we're exporting to, totally de dependent upon how much our customers are demanding from us. We are a country, we are an economy that is self-perpetuating. And it is wondering that we are affected by other economies, but we are not going to be blown away, which is one of the reasons our economy is growing really well and other people's aren't. End of the hour, well, the market slid a little bit because we had a record GDP growth and the market is afraid that the Federal Reserve is going to overreact to that. So it slid a little bit, but that was, I think the market is quite healthy. I think the economy is super healthy. This 4.9% GDP growth, uh, that's annualized for this, for the third quarter. Pretty, pretty darn impressive. Matter of fact, it's, one of the highest ones we've ever had. And, and we can't keep it going forever, but we're certainly not in a recession. And frankly, I'm optimistic about the future. And I know that puts me in a very small minority and it probably won't sell very many clicks, but that's the way I feel about it anyway. A minor I think got, minority of two. We're doing really well. Yeah. Well, we, we tend to be optimistic when other people are pessimistic and pessimistic when other people are optimistic. The only thing I'm concerned about right now, frankly, is, well, I'm all, I continue to be concerned that we won't pass a spending bill and as a result, uh, the economy, the, the government shuts down. That would be very bad. But that's a minor concern. The thing that bothers me the most right now is we are in consensus with most economists, which bugs me because they are so consistent. The consensus of, of economists is so consistently wrong that that's really bad. And you are listening to the personal wealth coach. And 
we will be back next hour with more. Yeah. If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give personalized investment advice to people of relatively high net worth to corporations and foundations and trusts as well. Um, occasionally guardianships. If you don't know what that is, that's probably a good thing. Um, if uh, you would like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting during the weekends, real live people during the week. Locally, that number is... 254-947-1111. And a toll-free 1-800-914-7526. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can see our famously made-for-radio faces. You can uh, read our philosophy, see our wonderful staff, contact us through the contact form. You can see our radio programs going back a long ways. You can sign up for our newsletter and read it. You can actually read it without signing up for it. Um, and email addresses are jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com.